Welcome to the Beauty and Battle podcast, where we talk about winning in marriage by waging a war. I'm Jason Benham. I've got my girlfriend slash wife, Tori Benham, with me, and we are here to talk to you about how Satan tries to get you to fight face-to-face with your spouse, but God designed you to fight shoulder-to-shoulder against Satan so that you can win in your marriage. Fighting together draws you together. We cannot wait to jump in. So here we go. So today we're talking about staying attached to each other, and we're going to dive into uh, a very well-known topic now that's, I, I think, with all the brain science and stuff that's happening uh, lately in the, just the, like the last you know 20 years, attachment theory. Mm-hmm. It's like a huge thing, and people discovering that how they attach later in life with other people is largely determined by how you attached with your primary caregiver early in life, but yet you can... Uh, it can be adjusted. You, you yeah. can fix it. You can fix some things. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very similar to what we learn through some of the things in the Enneagram that it starts with self-awareness. Like yeah. there there's an ability to grow when we just become aware of a few things and knowing how you're attaching to other people, knowing how you attached as a kid yeah. can be really helpful in relationships. It's Once you sh- shine the light on it, that's, that's half the battle yeah. of overcoming it. Exactly. Now, before we dive in, I have such an awesome song for you. I mean, I'm really excited because Tori told, told me or has, has told me, uh, don't let's not do country music, you know, for a little bit. And the first thing that I resort to then is 80s music. <laughs> so I am going to play one of my favorite songs that came out back. I think it was 1988. I should have looked it up, but it's When I'm With You by Sheriff. And what I love about it is when you go and find a good 80s uh, song, on Apple Music, you can look at it, and every now and then, you can tell they just took a picture of the album cover, and then they uploaded it as a digital uh, image to Apple. Yeah. So this image that I'm looking at, you could t- their their outfits are all pixelated because it's not a good digital. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's it's really weird looking. But anyway, Casey, <laughs> Casey, yeah. Uh, so sheriff, but you're seeing a dude wearing Z Cavaricci oh, pants with his. With his tankless, yeah. his shirt tucked in. and Anyway. Definitely 80s. Yeah. Long hair. So anyways, here is When I'm With You by Sheriff. That's good music right there. Wait for it, wait for it. That's good, isn't it? It is really good. How does he get his voice up that high? Listen. <laughs> don't even act like you don't do the same, that you don't get that range when you're singing. When I'm in the shower. <laughs> Jason hits it every time. Yeah, I can't. I can't sing that loud, and I can't sing that high. So, but that man, that's a great song. The '80s had some great love songs. They did. I feel like '80s had better love songs than we have today. Today, the love songs are like, I got broke up with. Like things are going terrible in my life. Yeah, have more of a negative. Yeah, the our girls listen to that stuff. 
you know there's like a whole like, what's it called i don't even know i feel like there's like a whole breakup genre yeah that's what i think that's what it is it's like the breakup <laughs> breakup bands or whatever anyway who cares about that let's talk about attachment okay um so attachment so attachment is a deep and here's the definition official definition a deep and enduring emotional bond between two people in which each seeks closeness and feels more secure when in the presence of the other. Hmm. That's cool, right? Yeah, so let me say I that like again. That. You're attached when you have a deep and enduring emotional bond between two people in which each seeks closeness, right? Mm -hmm. And feels more secure when in the presence of the other. Attachment theory is a set of principles regarding how people attach with others in a relationship. Okay. So now we know what attachment is. Attachment theory is kind of like the study of attachment. Right. And and it t talks all about um, our different styles of attachment. And we're going to see four different styles of attachment um, that we learn when we're younger. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we get that, um, the psychologist John Bowlby, Dr. John Bowlby, uh, coined the phrase attachment theory in 1969. Oh, wow. And essentially, I mean, there's so much. If you go look up attachment theory, there's so much there out there. There really is a lot. You I looked get a up a lot. Yeah, I looked up and I, I started getting overwhelmed. But what I discovered was you can basically boil down attachment into two key questions. Okay. Okay, here are the questions Will you be there for me? And am I good enough for you? Hmm. So, right there, if you want to be attached to somebody, you got to answer yes to both of those questions. If two people answer yes to those questions, they can attach. Wow. They can connect. They can have a relationship. If one or both say no to one or both questions, you can't connect. Mm. Two questions. Will you be there for me? Am I good enough for you? Will you be there for me is about security. Mm -hmm. Am I good enough for you is about intimacy. Mm. So let's talk about that for a second, Tor. Okay, security. Um, as we wrote in our book, and we got this from Dr. Kathy Cook, Right. the five uh, core needs of a human being. Mm -hmm. Do you know what they are, Tor? Yes. What are Number they? Number one is security. Yeah. Security answers the question, who can I trust? Number two is identity. Identity says, who am I? Number three is belonging. Belonging says, who wants me? And that's huge. Number four is purpose. Purpose says, why am I alive? And number five is competence. Competence says, what can I do well? Hmm. Now, ultimately, everything boils down to security in God. Right. This is why all through the scripture, we're encouraged to trust God. See, security answers the question, who can I trust? Well, we can trust God. Hmm. And then that filters down to your identity. I am God's kid, right? That's why I can trust God because he's my father. Like he's not going to ever leave me or forsake me. And then that goes down into belonging. God wants me because I'm his kid. That mm -hmm. goes down into purpose. Why am I alive? To bring God glory, to make him you know, proud. And, and he's already proud, but we can do other things that make him proud with the way that we love other people. And ultimately, uh, competence. What can I do well? Philippians 4.13 tells us I can do all things mm. through Christ who gives us strength. So we find that our attachment needs to start with our attachment to God. Right. We cannot attach properly to others if we're not fully attached to God first. Now, you can have a healthy relationship with others when God's not in the picture, but you can't have a whole relationship mm. you can be healthy but not whole right so right. You, we want wholeness mm. that's what we want now um if you guys remember a uh we had a marine i think she was a marine she might have been in the army um but jessica lynch this was years ago she was a prisoner of war 
when she went over to fight in Iraq yeah. and she was held in prison. She was, and she got, she was a POW for a while and she got real sick and she was like 70. She ended up getting like, beginning like 76 pounds. Mm. And so they sent in the Marines to rescue her and they rescued her. And when they did, she, her face was put all over um, the news and it showed her on a stretcher and she had, she was bruised and battered. You could tell she was, she had been beaten and taken advantage of by these, uh, these Iraqi soldiers. And you could hear her saying to the Marines around her, please don't leave me alone. Hmm. Please wow. don't, please don't leave me alone because all of us have that cry in our heart for security. Yes. Yeah. That in that moment, she's like, don't leave me alone. Yeah. Right. Well, this is where we come into attachment. It says, will you be there for me? Mm. You want to know the first thing I thought of when I when I read that question, Tor? I thought of Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, I Will Be Here. Oh, I yeah. will be here. You yep. can cry on my shoulder. That's <laughs> yeah. attached. That's yeah. attachment. Mm-hmm. So, And then Deuteronomy 31.8, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. So your spouse needs to feel that from you. Right. But the whole concept of the attachment theory is that we attach as children first, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And how we attach as children often, time, well, pretty much all the time, is going to play out in the way that we attach as yeah. adults. Now, so when I, I did some research also on this attachment theory. Yeah, you did. Hey, we'll and, get to the second question in just a second. You you go ahead and do this. Um. And so attachment develops in childhood based on how a primary caregiver acts towards and meets the needs of their child. That's crazy. That's the foundation for how the child perceives facts in close relationships. And that should make us all shudder as parents. We could really screw our kids up. (laughs) I know. But I think what, you know, is so reassuring is that we have ways that we attach as kids and Mm -hmm. we have, you know, everybody has a different story. And we, you know, even when we were raising our kids, there were so many different um, methods and theories and, um, you know, teachings on raising kids and that are so different from what we're hearing today. And you're like, oh man, like it's just kind of, it it really, it can be very scary because you're like, wow, I can really screw my kids up. But at the same time, I think God is such a redeemer. He, he's so good. He's so faithful. And he, the concept of you know being born again yeah. when i'm learning about the attachment That's theory huge. is so huge because i'm thinking about okay like you know how did i how did i attach i had amazing parents you had amazing parents so we were really blessed with parents who um really pursued us and that we were very close to um but as i'm like thinking it through even with our own kids it's like there are there are definitely you know ways where I you know have could have done better could have done better and ways that I want to want to you know unlearn and relearn yeah. the right way of attachment all those things and then I just think about that verse in John where Jesus says very truly I tell you no one can see the kingdom of God unless you're born again yeah and so you know it's it like a do over it's a do over like yeah. as believers we have this ability to do over like okay like is this working for my relationship? If it's not, then I can redo this. I can relearn this. And so that's the the beauty of all of this in, in our relationship is that there's hope yeah. that there um, we can become self-aware so that our relationships can get stronger and we can grow and we have the power to change. Yeah. And fortunately, um, you know, as if, if we're looking at this from a parent's perspective, which obviously we all do, 
because we want to make sure that we're giving our kids like the ability to attach properly to us so then they can attach to others later in life. But it really does come down to just those two questions. Will you be there for me? And am I good enough for you? If you prove those two things to your kids that yes, you will always be there for them. And yes, they are good enough for you. Mm. Then you are, you're, you're right where you need to be. So let's look at the second question. Am I good enough for you? This is all about intimacy. So intimacy is to be fully known and fully accepted. And in the context of your relationship, being fully known basically means that you're you're fully like vulnerable right. to your spouse. Without vulnerability, there is no intimacy. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable is I'm letting you in. Right. You know, I'm a little nervous, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna let you in. I'm gonna show you my weaknesses, I'm gonna show you my faults. And God have mercy if you don't fully accept me. You know, it's like, God, please, you know, Tor, please accept me. Like that's, that's what we do early on in our relationship. And we've got to keep that same mentality. Like I'm going to let you in. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have no passwords that you don't know. It's right. like fully known. Yeah. Right. And so the reverse of this is that I need to fully know you. Mm-hmm. So I need to be on a constant search for more of Tori. Right. Like there's more treasure in you mm. than even you know. And as a husband, I need to be in constant search of that because I want to fully know you. I want to yeah. know you even better. Right. So being good at asking questions, you know, like not stopping the pursuit. So yeah. it's fully known, but it's also fully accepted that we have to accept each other for who we really are. Like I have to accept you for who you are. Mm. It's like warts and all, even though you don't have warts, but you know, that's the phrase. Mm-hmm. I accept you warts and all. Yeah. And that reminds me of... Revelation 3.20, where Jesus is talking to a church and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what do you think the rest says? I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He doesn't say, I'm going to come in and I'm going to clean house. I'm going to come in and I'm going to wreck shop. Yeah. Right. He says, I'm going to dine with you. Mm -hmm. And what can be more intimate than having a one-on-one dinner with Jesus in your house? Yeah. Right. That's the picture of intimacy. So God wants that intimacy with us. He already fully knows us. He already fully accepts us. All we have to do is reverse that. It's like, I want to get to know you, and I fully accept you, and I give you my life. Mm. So we start with God, but then we have to turn around and do that with people, fallible people, and primarily our spouse. So your spouse needs to know that they're fully accepted by you. Mm. Okay? So there are two questions. Attachment can be boiled down to these two questions. Will you be there for me? That's about security. Am I good enough for you? That's about intimacy. Hmm. Okay. Now, according to John Bowlby's theory, okay. he, he published something in 1988, according to his attachment theory that he, that he coined. He said this, when we form our primary attachment, we also make a mental representation of what a relationship is, which we then use for all other relationships in the future friendships, working, and romantic relationships, which is exactly what you said earlier, Tor. So your relationship to your parents or your primary caregivers affects the way you attach to your spouse. Yeah. That's why I tell my kids as I'm as I'm raising them and and all of them, you know, Tori and I are praying for two godly young women for our boys, two godly young men for our girls. And by God's grace, our older son has already found his godly Mm -hmm. young woman. So thank God for that. Yeah. But I, I tell them I tell my kids, like, okay, so, like, Jake, if you want a really good girl, then make sure that when you go to the 
go to her house for dinner or whatever, pay attention to how her and her dad interact with each other mm-hmm. because the daughter's relationship with the dad is uber important. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I reverse that to, to the girls. I'm like, pay attention. If you go over to a guy's house for, for dinner, pay attention to how the guy treats his mom. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the, the son to the mom, that is very important. I tell my girls, however he treats his mom's how he's going to treat his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Which is the rule of thumb, you know, but, there also is their whole redemption there. You know, yeah. if, if you had a bad relationship with your dad or you had a bad relationship with your mom, you can be reborn. You totally. can relearn how to attach properly to people, to your spouse and to the people that you love. And yeah. so it's not like a hopeless situation. There's just, there's so much hope that we have in Christ. Yeah. I just want to remind everyone. Cause sometimes you know, there's, you look at these things and it can feel, almost, it can feel a little draining. Yeah. It can feel a little like, Oh, I don't know if I got that quite right with my kids. Oh or, gosh. You know, I've already felt that yeah. with, with our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the whole attachment theory is based, there's four types of ways that we respond to get our needs met as a child that we bring into our relationship as adults. And these are how we cope or protect connections or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I'm actually going. The four the types, four different types right? of attachment styles, and so here's what ha- here's what they did. They did this research um, back in the '60s, uh, and they took babies and they put them into a room, and then they put other babies in the room, and then they put uh, caregivers in the room, and then they pulled caregivers out, and they just did all this kind of stuff, and they watched four different reactions of the kids. And these are the four types of attachment styles. And you learn it when you're really young. Now, like what Tori is saying, you could have been raised in a foster home mm-hmm. with somebody that beat you and turn out to be the best husband or the best wife and have the most amazing relationship with God and others because of being born again, mm-hmm. because of getting yourself right. And uh, and so, but I, I do want to share these four with you because I think it's really important for you to figure out where am I in this? What, what are maybe some, um, some things that I'm seeing in my relationship with my spouse where I act like this right? because of poss- possibly mm-hmm. something that happened way back then and some things that you're maybe even um, that, that are subconscious at this point. And so here are the four types of attachment styles, okay? And they were all done on infants. So the secure attachment style, this one is where you have a positive view of yourself mm-hmm. and a positive view of others, Okay. So the the secure is positive view of self, positive view of others. Now, with this one, you have the capacity to connect well and securely in relationships with others while also having the capacity for autonomous action, which means that you you want to be with the person, but you can be independent. Yep. Which that is where you want to be. Right. So the secure attachment style is the best. Yep. And so what I have is... It's an inherent trust that I'm going to get my needs met, even though it may not be perfect. Mm. That's a yeah, that's a good. securely attached person. It's like doesn't everything doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to control everything, but I feel pretty safe. I feel yes. like I'm loved, and I'm and even though things don't go exactly as I want, I think it's going to be okay. That's and a securely attached person. That's exactly right. It's characterized by trust. Mm-hmm. It's okay with being alone if you have to. I mean, obviously, yeah. we're not meant to be alone for forever and you feel worthy of love Mm. that's a securely attached person Mm. this is a good place to be if you're not i don't know you know as an adult how you can have that apart from 
Christ. 100% impossible. It's impossible because yeah. things are are rocky. They're the things that really rock your security in life. Oh my gosh. There are untrustworthy people. There are experiences where it, that are scary as yeah. all get out. But, and, and that is when it's like, you know what? Everything is going to be okay because I, I do have someone I can trust. I may mm. not be able to trust every person in my life, but I do have someone I can trust. Yeah, that's good. So that's the secure type. That's what we want to be. Now, these other three are not healthy, but it is something that, that what they have discovered with attachment theory that's true about, I guess, if you're going to split them into fourths, then the three-fourths of the people out there struggle from these three attachment styles. Okay, the first one. Well, the first one, the, the four attachment styles, the, the three aren't are negative. So this first negative one is the avoidant. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is someone who's got a positive view of their self, but a negative view of others. Mm. And what they discovered with this was that children with the avoidant attachment style, they tended to avoid interaction with their caregiver and showed no distress during separation. So they would mm. pull the caregiver out of the room and the kid didn't even care. Yes. Right. But the secure kids actually did care. Like they cried. Yeah. They wanted that attachment. This, this one didn't want the attachment. That was the avoidant. So they did their research and they said, this may be because the parent has ignored attempts to be intimate. So when the kid was crying and wanted to be held, the parents ignored it and the child may internalize the belief that they cannot depend on this or any other relationship. Mm. So the avoidant has a defense mechanism against the mother's own rejecting behaviors because they feel rejected by the mom who didn't pick the baby up, Mm. such as being uncomfortable with physical contact or being more easily angered. Mm. So if you're like, I I don't like hugging people, or it might be something that you experienced as a baby you don't even remember. Because you don't want to rely on anybody else. Yeah. You want to be independent and self-sufficient yep. because you can trust yourself. Yep. You can trust that you can take care of you, but you can't trust that other people can't can trust take. others. Yep. So if you've got a great relationship with your spouse, but yet you know that whenever you are in an unhealthy place, you move to this mm-hmm. to where you're kind of avoiding. It's like, I'll do it myself. Like I'm that. Chances are you might've had some uh, interaction as a kid that um, you may need to think through yeah. and go back and say, Hey, but God never left me. You know, like yes. I, I'm okay. Yeah. You know, so and to learn to trust other people. Um, I have that an avoidant uh, would move away from people to get needs met, learn to self-regulate independently because they don't want to rely on people and they Mm. tend to be very dismissive people. Oh, So it's like you, you know, there's an emotion, you just dismiss it because you're fine. You're totally fine. You don't need to feel it. You don't need, because you don't want to be vulnerable. Mm. So you're fine and you can trust um, in your own independency. Yeah. Wow. That's, 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 wow. That's very telling. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the avoidant. Okay. Number three, anxious. This is the person who has a negative view of self, but a positive view of others. Mm-hmm. So you think everybody else has got it right. You don't. Okay. So anxious relationships are characterized by a concern that others will not reciprocate one's desire for intimacy. Okay. Now going back to when they're in, in a, an infant, Going back to infancy stage, this is caused when an infant learns that their caregiver or parent is unreliable and does not consistently provide responsive care toward their needs. Okay, Anxious relationships have a fear of lacking control. They want a good relationship but can't control whether or not it's going to be good or bad. So they remain in that state of anxiety. Mm. And I just feel so bad 
you know, for, for folks that struggle with that. Yeah. You know, and I think that this is probably a little bit different of a spin on anxious than it does, than it is when we start talking about the, the epidemic of anxiety attacks and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, but it definitely could feed into it. Right. Either way, we know in Philippians four, we're not supposed to be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with Thanksgiving, make our request known to God. And then his peace is going to guard our hearts and our minds. Hmm. So that's the anxious. That's the anxious attachment yeah, style. What I have for anxious attachment is it's a hyper vigilant uh, vigilance of the outside world and move towards people to get their needs net met. And they hold a lot of codependent traits mm. and struggle with a lot of fear of abandonment. Oh yeah. And so oh, I think for the anxious attached, it's um, there's a very deep sense of, of uh, this fear of abandonment. Maybe because, you know, they said they felt it as a child. They weren't, they were unsure if the, they were going to be supported or not. And then um, the whole codependent, it's kind of like this, you know, so I think for the anxious, a lot of times it's kind of could be, could they could have a parent or they could have a caregiver who um, were felt very attached to, but then they would go away. Mm. And so it was kind of this disruption of, okay, I have it. Now I don't have it. Yeah. I have it. Now I don't have it. So there's like, because they know what it feels like to have it, they pursue it with vigilance. Mm. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that's the third attachment style, anxious, negative view of self, positive view of others. And then the fourth, this one's, this one's dangerous is fearful. It's a negative view of self, negative view of others. Researchers found, and this is the crazy part, so the the person who's basically given to fear, Mm -hmm. okay? Researchers found that the parents of the fearful infants, so when they found that that some of these infants were put into this fearful category, this fearful attachment style, they found that the parents of those infants often had unresolved attachment-related traumas of their own. Oh, wow. So essentially... Their parents had the issue, and it was passed down to them. Mm. And now they're wrapped up in fear. So this caused the parents to display, because th- their parents experienced some trauma of their own, this caused the parents to display either frightened or frightening behaviors to their kids, like anger, abuse, their own rejecting behavior. Mm. Okay, That resulted in a fearful infant being confused or forcing this infant to rely on someone they were afraid of at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Now the abusive relationship where the wife or the girlfriend or whoever keeps getting beat mm-hmm. by her husband, yeah. but she keeps going back. Mm-hmm. That's this. Wow. That they, they're, they scared to death of the husband, scared to death of the man, but they know they need the man because they can't rely on anybody else. They got to rely on him. Wow, and that's so interesting. it is it's an awful place to be. And I noticed when looking this up and researching it that sometimes they use the term for instead of fearful avoidant, they use avoidant. the term Yeah, they use yeah. the term disorganized. Oh, disorganized. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It wasn't avoidant. It was disorganized. Yep. So, fear, well, no, some some will call it the fourth one fearful avoidant. Okay. Cuz our number 2 it, is avoidant. Right. But this is the fearful. This is the fourth one fearful yep. avoidant. But some will will say the fourth one is called disorganized. Disorganized, yeah, I saw yeah. that. Which is interesting because it is so. That's what fear does. Yeah, right. Fear, like when um, the neuroscientist Caroline Leaf, when she did all of her research and she was studying people that were in a fearful state and in a, were operating out of love, she said that the difference was 
chaos piece. Oh uh, yeah. Like they, she could it's just, order. it's complete disorder. And she even said like every cell in our body is, is in disorder mm-hmm. when fear is at play. That's so true. And so it, that didn't surprise me at all that they would, it's disorganized. It's kind of this chaotic state yeah. of, of living mm. really. And um, so what I had for the fearful avoidant is it's reacting to being smothered or overwhelmed. They have a deep need for relationships and connection, but fear being overwhelmed. Mm. They fear this chaos. Like they they want you to draw close, but then they need you to go away. Yeah. Right. It's like this kind of chaos because they're just really unsure of what is safe. Mm. Um, That's good. And it's kind of a mix between the anxious and the avoidant. Yeah. Um, the, the fearful avoidant. It's kind of w- when there's just kind of a mixture of both of those feelings. I yeah. need you. Now you're suffocating me. Get away. Yeah, that that's really good. And it's good to know, too, with all four of these uh, attachment styles, the secure, the avoidant, the anxious, and the fearful, it doesn't mean that if you're feeling any of those right now that it's due to your parents. Right. You know, like it, it definitely can point to potential for that, but you can be anxious, you can be fearful, you can be avoidant and have had the greatest parents of yeah. all, but you've got to pay attention to how you responded to how you respond. Mm-hmm. Right. So let me, let me go over these one more time. The four attachment styles, the secure, that's the person who has a positive view of self, positive view of others. We all want to be there. The avoidant, they got a positive view of self, but a negative view of others, which means that they're going to stand on their own, trust only in themselves. The anxious, negative view of self, but a positive view of others. And then the fearful avoidant or the disorganized, as Tori said, that's the negative view of self and the negative view of others. Now, the, the Bowlby goes on to say this, and then I want to be done with this. Attachments of various kinds are formed through the repeated act of attachment behaviors. I wanted to make sure I pointed that out. The repeated act of attachment behaviors mm a continuing process of seeking and maintaining a certain level of proximity to another specified individual. So he's saying that that these attachments are formed and they continue to form by attachment behaviors. Hmm. And that attachment behavior is a continuing process of seeking and maintaining a certain level of proximity to another specified individual, which means that I can do things that attach me greater to you yeah. through attachment behaviors. What are those two behaviors? It's anything that answers yes to that question. Uh, will you be there for me? Am I good enough for you? Mm-hmm. So I need to show you, Tor. I'm going to be there for you, wow. period. Uh, strong. You're good enough for me. Yeah. Any behavior mm-hmm. that helps your spouse say yes to that. Strengthens is, the attachment. There you go. It strengthens the attachment. That's cool. And that's how that. we can grow more attached to each other. I love that. That's such good, such a great tool for emotional intelligence, right? Like becoming more self-aware yeah. of ourselves so that we can be stronger in our relationships. I love yeah. that. And I love um, Tori and I like research and stuff. I mean, gosh, if you'd have told me three weeks ago, I'm going to be talking about attachment theory. I said, what? No, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but we just love to research stuff that helps us in our own relationship. And then when we find stuff that's really good, we just pass it on to you. So, yeah. Tori, you know, she's not a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist. She's she's a doctor of love. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just fun to to share this stuff with you guys. Yeah, so, we're learning alongside you guys. Yeah. We're not the Thanks experts. For coming along and joining joining this train. <laughs> That's funny. What do you have for us, Tor? Okay. So 
we switched gears, did we not? We Jason did. Dunham? We have switched gears in the new year. Um, we are eating healthy. We're trying. We're really yeah, we actually are. we're doing really good. I think very we're good. Whole, week one was a success. Yeah, except um, that one day I passed by a Rocky Mountain chocolate factory and got a dark chocolate peanut cluster. Which, if you ever want to love on me and Tori, well, I should just say me. Dark chocolate peanut cluster. No, that's definitely your mm. love language. Um, wait, did you did you do that after we started it? I think I did. I think oh. it was like the, the first day. Okay. <laughs> but you weren't like quite as committed as I was the first day because yeah. I kind of dr- drug you into this. 85% dark chocolate I will eat. So anyways, I want to share with you guys though, um, Half-Baked Harvest, I'm sure you've heard of her. She's an amazing cook. Um, she has this... Fall Harvest Honeycrisp Apple and Kale Salad Wow, recipe. that's a mouthful. This is a mouthful. Pardon the pun. And it's a little bit labor intensive. Um, my sister-in-law, Lori, made it for me a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best salad I've ever had. Um, made it a few times, and now I've kind of just simplified it because- it Yeah, just, you have. It takes oh, kind of a little bit too long for me to make. So, But one thing that I have not changed from her recipe is the cider vinaigrette. It is mm. so amazing. It has shallots in it. Shallots. Do you know what a shallot is? No clue. It's like a small onion. But it nice. is, we saute it in in um, olive oil, and then it calls for um, fig preserve, Whoa. which you know how much I like fig preserve because <laughs> my my grandfather lives across the street from us, and he has a fig tree. Yeah, and it's does. like our most favorite thing ever in the summer when that thing is uh, in bloom. It is great. Because it is the most delicious figs, and I make fig preserve. So I can Why do make... you call it preserve? Isn't it fig jelly? Yeah, but in this recipe, she wrote fig preserve, and I just and that had sounds it written down. definitely like elegant. Yeah. Fig preserve. <laughs> fig and jelly. So I was able to make it with very low sugar. You know, most figs, yeah. fig preserve or jam has a ton of sugar in it, but yeah. I was able to cut it like to a fourth. So I feel baller. I feel pretty good about it. She's a baller. Um, now you could easily substitute for a little bit of honey, which by the way, I'm not doing any sugar and I'm not doing honey. And that's the hardest thing of this whole thing for me, wow. not to have honey in my So tea. sorry, I, Tor. It's been rough. Anyways, um, it's called cider vinaigrette. I'll share it with you guys on Jason and Tori Instagram. It is so delicious. So what I did instead of the way I simplified it, just cut up some kale and put goat cheese mm. and avocado chunks and sprouted um, pumpkin seeds. Yeah. And it was so good. Uh, Ask it's, me. It's a warm salad dressing on kale and then you have to massage it into the kale and it's just, it so just Tor, hit the spot. Guys. Ask me if I liked your kale salad. Did you like my kale salad? Kale, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go so funny <laughs> yeah so that's awesome yeah I'll, i like that i'll share that with you guys and if you want to go for the whole thing go for it go it's for just, it um if you like it as much as me and you start making it a lot you're probably gonna make it a little easier too and just kind of get take what you have in the, one of these days i want you to in do the cupboards you a, interrupted. oh i did <laughs> sorry i was so busy thinking about what i was going to say next about what i want you to make one of these days, you need to make a really good Caesar salad with real anchovies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. That'd be great. I love Caesar salad. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Attachment theory. That was fun. It was fun. I felt like I learned a lot when I was researching that. Yeah, me too. That was very interesting. So, Tor, I'm going to be here for you, and you're enough for me. Ditto. Mostly. 
Same. <laughs> right back at you. All right, guys. We'll, we'll see you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.